I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Episode 111 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Tyler Uremchuk and Cam Lewis here. Coomzy, who's fresh off a big move. What a big day. You were the big man today, the way you were moving yeah, all I those was. boxes. Uh, as opposed to watching that absolute mess. And I knew it was going to be a mess. They were, you, you could just mm-hmm. tell. That's, that's, that's the way these things always seem to end. A five-game series with the Tampa Bay Rays is inevitably going to end with a mess. So instead of watching that today, I packed up and moved to a new place. It was very draining. You very had tired. the more fun day, though. Because, yeah, sitting down yeah. and watching that was not a lot of fun. Um, the final score goes down as 11 to nothing. It's six, six runs in the ninth. Um, I'll take you back to earlier in that game since you weren't watching it. It was a home run by Yandy Diaz uh, with two on and two out that ended up getting the scoring going in the second inning for the Rays. And right before that, the way that inning sort of played out, Gosman, he had a strikeout. Like, it was there. Um, They also challenged to play that inning. That didn't go their way, but it was close. Um, But Gosman had a strikeout. It was a strike that was called the ball. The guy walks. Next batter has a chintzy little bloop base hit. And then Yandy Diaz goes yard. So it was a bit of a series of unfortunate events. Um, Ultimately, it doesn't matter because they lost 11 to nothing. But um, there was a, a big vibe killed in the second inning a big vibe killer to end the series for the Toronto Blue Jays. And that's something we've talked about a bit on the pod, and it's actually turning into a bit of a trend for the Jays, hey? Yeah, it is. It's um, we've, we've mentioned this a whole bunch of times. We're like, oh, yeah, they always seem to have a, or not always, but oftentimes they always seem to have a good series. They win the first two. And obviously this was a five-game series, a bit different. But it always seems that the getaway day yeah. is a bad one for the Jays. So I'm going back and I'm looking. And it's kind of, it's mid-August they started to heat up with that road trip through New York and Boston. And since then we've now seen four of these kind of end-of-series vibe killers. They had won the first three in New York. And then they in the last day they were there, they lose four to two against the Cubs. They win the first two kind of weird wins and they lose seven, five. And then against Texas, the Sunday, we all remember Martin Perez pitched quite well, got a little bit of help. They lose four one. And then there's this mess against Tampa Bay. I mean, we shouldn't complain because at the beginning of the series, when we're doing the, the, the pre-series podcast, we say three out of five from Tampa Bay. That's yep. the goal. And that's exactly what the Jays did. But 
it's a pattern. Whenever there's a there's a getaway day, they're flying the next day, they're going somewhere else. I mean, they're not even flying, they're staying in Toronto. Yeah. So I don't know, it's weird. There's something there's something about it where they have a chance to really pound a team, maybe pull off a sweep or like in this situation, take four or five from Tampa and they just don't. It's not the end of the world, but it's an interesting thing to point out. I wonder if it is any sort of like a vibe killer for the team or if it's just us reacting that way because we do the podcast at the end of every series and we'd love to hop on here and be like, oh yeah, what a win. Like they ended on a high note. Bang, it's great. And instead we always have to do these podcasts with like a, yeah, they played great for the first, you know, three of the first four games and then they laid an egg in the finale just like against we've Texas. We've also done this in the reverse way too, right? Like yeah, that's when, when there's early been the series year. where they've been, yeah, they dropped the first two. I think it was against Baltimore when Ross Stripling had that almost perfect game. Yeah. They had just lost the first two and then we were so excited coming out of that one. We were like, oh yeah, we just took one of three from the Orioles. It's, it's so weird, weird how that last game can really impact your, your, uh, your perception of a series. And uh, that's certainly true here. Like taking three or two from Tampa again on the podcast coming into this series, we were like, if they take three or two thumbs up, that is a a success. But yet here we are kind of going, Oh man, if only, right? Like it could have been four or five and we would have been over the moon with it. Yeah, we would have been feeling really good, but at the end of the day, they did exactly what yep. we wanted them to. So we should we should make this a good vibes only pod. Not not good vibes only, a good vibes podcast, largely a, good vibes. A largely good vibes pod. So let's get into our three up, three down, delivered by our friends at DoorDash, where the promo code BJNPODDD gets first time users twenty five percent off and no delivery fees. Shout out to our friends at DoorDash. Let's start with Game 1 and the man who threw out the first pitch of Game 1, and that would be Jose Barrios, who ends up going 6 and a third. This guy pitched into the seventh inning of a big ball game for the Toronto Blue Jays. He struck out four, only allowed one earned run, only allowed six hits as well, which I will go ahead and give him a little glove tap for as well because we've seen a few starts from Barrios where he goes deep, but it's him, for lack of a better phrase, dodging bullets. Think about that start against Chicago where, you know, he gave up four earned runs. It was 10 hits. Even the last one against Baltimore is like, hey, solid start, two earned runs. Okay, he gave up eight hits and like he's scattering guys. He's getting out of jams. This one, he only gave up the eight hit or the six hits and the six and a third. I, I thought it was a really nice start from Jose Barrios. Yeah, it was a strong start. It seemed like he was in control. This was the Jose Barrios that pitched for the Blue Jays last season after they acquired him. This was the guy they got in August and September who was coming up big for them. It's now been five consecutive good starts for Jose Barrios, which I think is his longest streak of the season. Usually it's once in every few starts he kind of implodes and has one of his terrible meltdowns, but it's been five good ones in a row, and the Jays have won all five of his most recent five starts. The Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, Baltimore, and now the Rays. It's... um. In those five starts, he has an ERA of 2.93. And we've said it before, and I will say it again. If he continues to pitch well down the stretch and he pitches well in the playoffs, nobody cares about those ugly starts against what? In May, June, whatever. It doesn't matter. We'll just put it all behind us and we'll be like, you know what? He came up big when it mattered. And that's what we care about. 2.19 ERA so far through two starts in September. If he ends the month with a 2.19 ERA, we will be thrilled with what the Jays got out of Jose Barrios. And if they keep winning his starts as well, that's going to be another important aspect of that. But Barrios does his job. And another thing about that game that, you know, I liked was tight game, team you're battling with in a playoff race. Who do you go to late? 
Yo, Jimmy Garcia, Tim Miza, Jordan Romano. Bang, bang, bang. That trio does not give up a run. They get you through the last two and two-thirds innings of that start. And that right there is probably the carbon copy of how the Jays are going to win games in the playoffs, right? Their bats only scored three runs. You'd like to see them do more. But your starter pitches you relatively deep. And then it's Garcia, Tim Miza, Jordan Romano. Done. Game over. I loved seeing the lockdown trio come out and do what they did. Yeah, it's nice seeing just a, a game go according to plan. You have yep. a pitcher do six and a third, get you into the seventh inning, and then it's, you know, you get your last handful of outs with your best reliever. You don't have to bring in someone a little sketchy in the fifth mm-hmm. or sixth inning to get you through. This was your starter pitched well, and your good relievers all came in, and they were all good. And then, of course, we also have to bring up in this one the another clutch Boba Shet hit, though I think we're bringing that up later. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I want to stick on the mound for the second up, um, and it's the pitching we saw in the double header. Obviously, there was the Alec Manoa. Like, I let me throw this your way. Alec Manoa says he almost had to go to the ER um, the yeah. night before because he was feeling so sick. He ends up being able to make the second half of that start. There's a part of me that applauds Manoa because he has that dog in him. And, you know, if you're healthy enough to go, and he clearly was because he pitched well, that's great. There's another side of me that kind of goes, hey, man, like this start was important, but we also could have pushed you a day. I know there were some things with the schedule why you wouldn't want to push him a day, but like, and I don't know. It just made me a little bit uneasy seeing him go out there. I'm like, man, what if his stuff isn't 100% and like he gets rocked and this sends him in some sort of weird spiral? That's probably just me being paranoid and pessimistic. But sometimes I think you can do good for the team by standing aside and being like, hey, I'm not 100%. I'm going to let someone else take this one. That clearly wasn't the case because, again, he pitched well. Um, But what did you make of the whole Manoa thing? Yeah, that was huge because, I mean, well, there's there's multiple different things to talk about on this day, but I can pretty vividly remember waking up and seeing that uh, news that Alec Manoa has been moved to the next, the, the nightcap of the doubleheader and thinking, oh no, this isn't good. We're going to have to do like Meriwether, Mitch White, bullpen game and then another bullpen game immediately after which is going to be like trevor richards and yusei kikuchi and i'm thinking okay we're going to burn through every single reliever here and this is against the rays who have good starting pitching depth and this is going to burn the jays for the rest of the series and what wound up happening is in the first game mitch white actually pitched quite well he had had a few terrible starts and went down to triple a for a little bit and then he got called up and he goes six innings that allows three earned runs that's a quality start that's the most innings he's thrown in a start for the Blue Jays this season. They wind up losing the game, but they get through only using Merriweather, White, and Phelps, which is great. And then Alec Manoa comes through, clearly doesn't have his best stuff, like you said, but he still does six and two thirds and only allows two earned runs. I mean, I wasn't quite as anxious as you were. I didn't think that Manoa's going to come out and, you know, he's feeling sick. He's, I don't think it's one of those situations where if he pitches through it, he's going to really fuck himself up. So I didn't think there was a tremendous amount of risk. I think he, really save the pitching staff for the rest of the series. I kind of worry if, you know, I don't think it would be ideal to do like Ross stripling on short rest or another bullpen day or blah, blah, blah. But those back-to-back starts in the doubleheader were a game changer for the Jays. That's for sure. Yeah. And that's why they're, they're in the up. Like, again, I was nervous about what would happen. I I was nervous that they were looking at the situation and going, we cannot afford to go back-to-back bullpen days because that would have been very ugly. So we need Alec to go. And I was just worried. I probably phrased about earlier. I was worried going into the game that they were forcing him into this a little bit or he was forcing himself into it and the results wouldn't be there. But I was wrong because the results were there. Six and two thirds. It's another ace-like start for the Blue Jays ace, Alec Manoa, who I think should be 
firmly planted in the Cy Young race oh, yeah. in the American League. Like that start there probably cemented him as a top five option this year, if not maybe a top three option when wins all when all is said and done, depending how the last month of the season breaks. But thank God he came through and did that because you're right. If they would have had to go bullpen day, bullpen day, it would have been bad, 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 bad. Yeah, it would have been not ideal. And then after that, they get um, Ross Stripling does what Ross Stripling does, another quality start. And then ironically, the one guy who doesn't throw a quality start is Gosman, but he still goes seven innings. So the, the, the depth of starting pitching the Jays got in this series was phenomenal. Everyone goes six innings or more. That's to have five different guys do that is nuts. It's nuts. Um, and you mentioned Mitch White, and yeah, he was great as well because without Mitch White, like if he isn't able to go six strong in what was a tight ball game as well, if he wasn't mm-hmm. able to go six strong, then in game two, you may not have had both of Bass and Simber available. Maybe you would have had to go with some other reliever in there. Like the fact that Mitch White was able to just come in and save their bullpen was massive Huge. as well. And I wonder how they're going to use him here a little bit going forward. Um, are they going to keep, are they going to give him another shot to start a game? Are they going to use him in tandem with Merriweather again? Because he went on Tuesday. So you would imagine they're not going to throw him back out there Friday, which is expected to be a bullpen day. So like, when could you even give Mitch White another chance? I don't know. I guess, do you just do him again on regular rest? Do you, I mean, maybe he could go on early rest if the plan is only for him to do a few innings. Maybe he can go through the order just once. If that's your bullpen day on Friday, cause they don't have any more double headers coming up. So this isn't something they have to plan for in the future again. So, I mean, I, th- I think he pitched well enough in that outing to definitely warrant going again. And the Jays don't want to be doing, you know, four guys plus a bullpen day forever. Cause it's, you know, it's exhausting for the bullpen. So I think, go back to five with white ideally. And then your bullpen day might be the Kikuchi situation. Relatively low stakes start is what it would be against the Philadelphia Phillies. Cause it's the one of the two remaining games that isn't against a team in your division. Right. So I know the Phillies are still a good team competing for an NL playoff spot, all that stuff. But still, I think if there's one spot where you kind of go, okay, let's throw Mitch white there and see what he can give us. It's probably one of those two in Philly, which is what he would kind of line up for almost. I think so. That would be be, it. It'd be six days off if you gave him the first game against Philly, which is a little bit of extra rest, but not bad. That's probably fine, though, because he didn't pitch at all when he was in AAA. Mitch White was off for almost an entire week. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what helped him do well in the start, having that extra bit of rest. I don't think it's the worst idea. Yeah. Um, So our ups, the first two ups are going to Barrios and then the pitching we saw in uh, that doubleheader day from Mitch White and Alec Manoa. The third up we have, Bobichette will not stop. He cannot be stopped. He's the hottest hitter on the planet, and we've been saying that now for pretty much an entire week running. Um, It would not surprise me at all if he wins another American League Player of the Week, although Aaron Judge might have something to say about that with his two-home run game at Fenway. But Bo in this series goes 9-for-20, racks up 15 total bases, hits a home run in the series opener, and finishes with four RBIs. Um, That was great. It's, it's, it's honestly hilarious to look at his stats and just how much things have changed. So I brought this up last episode as well, but I think it's just hilarious to talk about. But um, so at the beginning of the month, when they went to Pittsburgh, he had that big game in the first yep. in uh, the first game of the series. It goes three for five with the clutch hit. That bumps his OPS up from 725 to um, 737. That's where he is at the start of September. And where he is now after going uh, two for four in the loss in the finale of this series is his OPS is now all the way up to 809. So his OPS jumps from 725 at the end of August to now 809 now. 
it's it's honestly just it's it's staggering how quickly a guy can turn around their season with a stretch like this and it's it's great it's you, you have to pretty much hope that it just never it, it doesn't end for bow and he just carries it through september and into the playoffs it'd be great um this is just definitely a lesson to people who love doing the uh in-season freakouts about certain players Dan Shulman had this. In the last two seasons, amongst shortstops with at least 200 games played, Bo Bichette is first in hits, tied for first in doubles, second in home runs, first in total bases, first in RBIs, fourth in batting average, second in slugging, and fifth in OPS. He's won, a, over the last two years, he's been just look at, the best hitting shortstop in all of baseball. And people wanted him traded or, ooh, we need to have the Bo Bichette conversation, folks, because he had like, <laughs> two and a half bad months. Like every player over the course of their career will have bad months. And I don't even feel like I'm using hindsight when I'm saying this because we said on this podcast, and we said we were worried about him a little bit, but yeah. guys have bad years, never mind bad mm-hmm. thirds of years, which is basically what it was for Bo Bichette. So to see him bounce out of this in the way he did is just unbelievable. And you're right. If he keeps rolling like this, I mean, the Jays are getting MVP caliber production right now. MVP plus caliber production from Bo Bichette. He can cool down a little bit and still be giving them MVP caliber production, which is wild. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's also really funny because I remember it. Well, geez, it's only about a month ago. It's yeah. it's really not that long ago. We we're talking, um, you know, Seattle and Atlanta go and sign two young pre-arb guys to long-term contracts, and everyone's like, "Where's the Vladdy contract? Where's the Alejandro Kirk contract? Where's the Alec Manoa contract?" And Bobashek gets completely left out of the discussion. Yep. Like, like, I mean, we're not perfect. Like, we're. I'm not going to sit here and no. say we've never. We, we we never sit here and complained about Bo. I mean, we're we're making the Bo and two joke. Yeah. You know, we were saying he swings and pitches in the dirt too much. We're frustrated, but I don't think at any point you or I were writing off Bo. And I think this is a good learning experience for everybody that even when he's having a bad time, that it's going to come around and he's going to make it all worth it. And that's something that I think we should remember. And it's definitely something we should remember for the Blue Jays, other young star who's also been kind of eh, not at his best recently too. Right. I mean, yeah, that brings us to, we have it as kind of a bonus up, and that is uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting his 100th career home run. He finally got the monkey off his back. He was sitting at 99 for a hot minute there. Um, but he like finally, months. Pardon? It felt like he was sitting at 99 for months. It, it honestly did, um, but he finally gets to that mark. Um, you know, hoping it sparks him a little bit here. Maybe it was some sort of a monkey on his back. I, I don't know if I totally buy that. Um and again, he's not having a bad season. Over the last week, he's batting 290. Um, you'd still do want a little bit more out of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Regardless, nice to see him hit the 100th bomb. I think we're both on the same page here. Nice moment. Great. Thumbs up. Let's get that egg, or that launch angle up a little bit, and let's see him hit <laughs> eight home runs from now to the end of the year, right? Yeah, let's hope that he's tired of watching Bo be the star and Vladdy says, all right, we're into the latter half of September now. I would like to be the star. And he goes nuclear as well. It wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, we've seen it with both of these guys. Yeah, they go cold, but eventually they're going to heat up. Vladdy's the same way. Barrios, Garcia, Tim Miza, Romano, Mitch White, Alec Manoa, Vladdy, Bo. There was a lot to like throughout that doubleheader. Also, a little shout-out to a Whit Merrifield, who had a big moment. Finally. He was terrible a for, a, for a long time. Yeah. Or basically terrible his entire time since putting on a Blue Jays jersey. Um, but he finally got a big moment, and that was great. 
He finally did. And also George Springer, too, with another yep. one of his clutch home runs. There was a lot to like about this series. And even in that game they lost in the doubleheader, we need to talk about this. That Bo Bichette oh. at bat to finish it. Oh, my God. Like, that is edge-of-your-seat stuff. I saw someone tweeted after. They were like, that totally changed the tune. That at bat, even though 100%. they lost, even though he got out, that changed the tune of the loss. And that's what a superstar player does. Um, but Bo just sitting up there and fouling off pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch, trying to keep them alive was unreal. Yeah, it was like you, if they had, they, they had been losing most of that game for nothing, they go down for nothing early on and they come back with a bit of a rally and then Bo has a chance in the ninth inning to either tie or win the game or whatever. And it doesn't end up happening, but just how good that at bat was and how locked in he was and how close it seemed kind of created a good energy going into the second game. It reminded me a lot of back in 2015, right as things were starting to look good and it might've been right before the Jays ultimately passed the Yankees in the standings for the division. But Troy Tulowitzki had a wicked at-bat with Andrew Miller pitching when he was the closer for the Yankees at the time. And I think he wound up striking out in that at-bat, but fouled a bunch of pitches off. It was a a beauty to watch. And you just kind of came out of that feeling like, you know what, like the Yankees barely escaped this game with a win. That's how you feel about Tampa too. Tampa just escaped this game with a win game where we're pitching Mitch White and Julian Merriweather and it makes you feel like you know what when we're at our best we're significantly better than the Tampa Bay Rays you want to hear a personal story about that game sure so that was my first ever time going to the dome Um, that was the year I graduated high school and as like a little graduation whatever summer thing my dad was like all right we'll go watch the Jays in uh in July or in August and we got the tickets late May early June And we paid, I think we sat first row right behind first base or right next to first base, first row. And we paid like $95 or $110. It was something stupid cheap, like considering where they were. And then of course, as the year goes on, they load up all that stuff. We paid like whatever it was, $95 to $110 to sit there. There was a trio of guys from Montreal sitting next to us who each paid $350 (laughs) to sit there. And I was like, man, like that's how much tickets shot up in that span. Like you kind of forget about the buzz of that year and how not slow they started, but there wasn't hype early in the year. People hadn't caught Blue Jays fever yet. And uh, there wasn't at all because 2014, I mean, you go back to 2013 as well. You know, that was supposed to be the big year and they pooped their pants. And then 2014, it was the no trade deadline year and everyone was pissed off after those years back to back. Like there wasn't a tremendous amount of hype going into 15 at all. Yeah, It didn't really start until the trade deadline. And even then people were still skeptical. They were just like, ah, this team will get hot and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll implode. But didn't happen. I just remember sitting there watching Tulowitzki in that bat being like, oh my God, my first ever Jays game in Toronto is going to be like this unbelievable one. And then he gets out. It's like, damn it. So That's uh, an unbelievably good first Jays game. Mine was in 2006 and it was against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays when they were still called that. Ooh. <laughs> and I remember nothing. <laughs> <laughs> At least I have the memory. That was my first game in Toronto. My first ever actual Jays game was, I think, 2013 in Seattle. And Jose Reyes hit a solo home run on the first pitch. First ever major league pitch I ever saw. Reyes hit a dinger. Which year was this? Would have been 2013, I think. 20, yeah. 2013? Okay. I went to Seattle in 2014. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was 14. It was either 13. Did you ever go to an Edmonton Trappers game? I don't really, so they were like a little bit too... They moved in 2004. Yeah. So after like, 2004 season. I remember a few of them, but I don't like vividly remember players or anything like that. But there were some big names that rolled through. For those of you listening yeah. in Toronto, um, which is about, whatever we say, 40, 50% of our listener base. Uh, for those listening in Toronto, 
Edmonton had a triple A ball club and it was a good yeah. damn time. It, they were the triple A team during uh, Moneyball for yeah. Oakland. Um, and there's a ton like Dante Bichette played for uh, the Edmonton Trappers at one point. Um, Johan Santana, David Eckstein, Michael Kadire. There was a whole bunch of good Minnesota Twins, a bunch of good Oakland A's. Um, yeah, like a pretty a pretty interesting list of players. Honestly, it was a cool place to watch games. I think Jason Giambi had a brief stint in Edmonton too yep. at one point. Jason Giambi was there yet. Yeah. Oakland A's. Yeah, um, and Altahada, I think as well. Yeah, we are getting way off track. Um, where were like, we? we could do it. We, I could happily do a full podcast just talking about the Edmonton Trappers. Yeah, I know. Uh, okay, we were on the downs and Bose AB, which is kind of an up, <laughs> but kind of a down because it didn't win the game. We got from there to the Edmonton Trappers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are we on? We're talking about the downs. Yeah, we're we're done the first down. We're on the second one with that guy who I like. He's irrelevant to oh, me. Yeah. I know he used to work for the newspaper, but him shitting on that video of Alejandro Kirk running the bases is one of the weirder takes I've seen in a while on Twitter. Um, it was just very odd. But to see Manoa go out and defend his teammate, and defend his teammate so hard that the guy then, I think it was Marty York, right? Was that the name of the guy? No, the guy, let me pull it up, because I he deleted his account. He deleted I, his account. I screenshotted it. So um, it's just loading. This guy's name is Matthew Ross. He's verified. I have no idea who it is. And he does a tweet. The Blue Jays official Twitter account shows Alejandro Kirk ripping from first to home in uh, one of the games where he scored. I can't remember what the situation was, but he's um, being like, this is not like a cute thing. We should be celebrating baseball already has perception problems and stereotypes. Like we shouldn't be celebrating this. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? This is an all-star catcher. He's a significantly better athlete than you. Like, just because he's like a short, plump guy doesn't mean he's not a fantastic athlete. Do you not see him on his knees for three hours catching the ball? Do you not see him throwing guys out at second or hitting the fucking ball that comes in 100 miles an hour? Like, whoever this dumbass is that had this take, like, just shut the fuck up forever. And it was great to see Alec Manoa just come out and dunk on him because, like, who are you? Why do we need this? Like, it's just stupid. I don't know who the guy was. Like, I'm glad he deactivated his account. I hope he never tweets again. Just shut the fuck up. So the Manoa response was this. What's actually embarrassing for the sport is that people by there's people that go by the name of Matthew and who, who have never played a day in the big leagues thinking they can control the narrative and stereotypes. Go ahead and tell that eight-year-old kid who's 10 pounds overweight that he should quit now or just step aside from the keyboard and let Kirk inspire those kids to continue to chase their dreams, dreams and chase greatness. Uh, those two tweets got a total of 26,000 likes on them and almost 1,000 replies as well, which prompted him to delete the account. Did you see the guy double down though? So he double downs and he says, when a pro baseball player takes your words and twists them to suit his simple defaming narrative of you, no one has a narrative of you. Yeah. No one cares about you. No one knows who you You are. You don't matter. Like you didn't exist before yesterday when you made fun of Alejandro Kirk, a player everyone likes. Like, who are you? Why would Alec Manoa have a narrative about you? Yeah. Where does this main character syndrome come from? How does this guy have so much self-importance? It's mind-numbing to me. I, I, I can't wrap my head around it. But yeah, like um, it's great to see everyone banding together and dunking on someone who's clearly a massive dipshit because the fewer we have of these guys on Twitter, the better. Yes. Like, I don't know who this guy is, but hopefully he's listening to this and hopefully he feels bad. <laughs> like, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> Let's, uh, the last down I had was just that the out-of-town scoreboard didn't go our way. 
Um, the Yankees win both at Fenway. The Mariners grab a split with the Padres, and the Orioles take both against the Nats. So in the six games we would have been watching on the out-of-town scoreboard, the Jays only got one positive result in that span. So not exactly ideal, um, especially for the Mariners, who you're kind of neck and neck with. You would have liked to see the Padres sweep them because now Seattle's schedule gets easy and they'll probably be able to rack up a ton of wins going forward. So out-of-town scoreboard wasn't great. That's our last down. Not as exciting as the second down, which was that guy on Twitter, but regardless, still a down. Yeah, the reality for the Jays is the rest of the way they're going to have to take matters into their own hands, and you can't necessarily expect other teams to get the job done for you. Seattle, Tampa, they're both good teams. The Yankees, they're a good team. They're not going to make it easy the rest of the way, so what the Jays have to do is finish hot. They can't be sitting there hoping that, I don't know, San Diego or whoever comes through and beats their opponents for them. That's just the way it is. Uh, that leads us into around the American League. And Coombsy, we probably shouldn't go through a whole podcast without talking what Aaron Judge is doing right now. Um, in the MLB home run race, he is 20 dingers clear of second place. He has 57 home runs. He had two in Fen- at that series opener against the Red Sox at Fenway. Um, it's wild. Like I, It's historic stuff we're seeing from, from Judge. A year after, we saw historic stuff from Otani. Uh, the interesting thing did you see was um, in that first game against Boston when he hits the two bombs, the Red Sox fans are cheering for him. Hmm. And then after the game, so there's that picture that's gone around since 2017. You know the one, right? Yeah. The one where he's wearing the Red Sox stuff. He did clarify and say, oh, I played in the Cape Cod League and my host family gave me this stuff. But Red Sox fans have always said, oh, Aaron Judge was a Red Sox fan growing up. But when somebody in the Boston media asked, hey, like you have all these positive things to say about Boston, would you be interested in signing here as a free agent? He didn't say no. He just said, we'll talk about that in the offseason. Can you imagine? He's also always kind of been... He's always had positive stuff about their fan base and, and all that too. Like, yeah. I don't know. That'd be, wouldn't that be something to spark that rivalry? Hey, like Johnny Damon esque. He goes to the other side of oh, it. Oh, yeah. It'd be even worse because the funny thing oh, yeah. with Johnny Damon was like, well, I mean, you signed this guy as a free agent from a different team. Like, he had played like six years before that for different teams. It wasn't like a drafted, developed mm-hmm. Red Sox. Where with Darren Judge, he's like, he's been the face of the Yankees for like, what, five, six years now? And they drafted and developed them and everything. If Boston decides they want to pull their dick out after, you know, trading away Mookie Betts and looking like a small market team by doing shit like that for a few years, then. Man, taking Aaron Judge from the Yankees would be the way to do it. It would be. Uh, So the Yankees, after winning both at Fenway, like we said, they're six and a half up on the Blue Jays and are going for a three-gamer in Milwaukee where, unfortunately, I believe they avoid Corbin Burns, which is really too bad. Um, But three in Milwaukee for the Yankees. The Rays are now uh, heading back home. They're going to host the Texas Rangers for three games. The Mariners are now heading to Oakland for three. And the Orioles, they took both from the Nats and are now just five back of the Jays as they roll into the Rogers Center. So we will step aside and then get set for that series. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, three at the Dome, Jays versus Orioles. Uh, to start things off, it's Jordan Lyles taking on what we expect to be a bullpen day. Jordan Lyles, eight earned runs in his last start. It was not good. Six earned runs in 11 innings pitched against Toronto. Hopefully they can find a way to get to Lyles on Saturday. It's going to be Kyle Bradish getting the start. In his last three games, he's gone 17 innings pitched and only allowed three earned runs. But... All three of those earned runs came in a start against the Toronto Blue Jays. He's going to be taking on Jose Barrios. And on Sunday, it is Dean Kramer. Six hits and two earned runs in five and a third against the Blue Jays back on September 7th, about eight days ago. He'll likely be taking on Alec Manoa. It's not exactly like, there's not exactly easy matchups here for the Blue Jays. No, it's not an easy series at all. And that's kind of what we've come to expect from Baltimore at this point is we looked at these games early in the season and we thought, ah, it's the Orioles. They're going to roll over. It's going to be easy little exhibition tune-up games before the season's over automatic wins. That's obviously not the case. The O's have been in the mix all year. I don't know if they're really a threat to catch the Jays at this point. I mean, they play each other six more times. So in order for Baltimore to make that jump, they're probably going to have to go. I think we talked about this on last episode. They're going to have to go like five and one against the Jays in the head-to-head, if not 6-0, and to probably pass them at this point. But, yeah, the Baltimore Orioles, they're uh, a surprisingly decent team this year, but the Jays have done well against them recently, and they are at home. They looked strong against Tampa Bay. The pitching was all good. If they get that kind of pitching again, and, I mean, it's hard task for that when one of your games is a bullpen day, but you also have Barrios and Manoa going. So if you get the strong pitching, then surely the offense will find a way to come through. All right. Well, let's hope they can do exactly that because I'm going to be in attendance. I get on a plane in, it's 530 Mountain right now, so I get on a plane in 13 hours, Coombsy, to head to Toronto. Are you excited? I'm, Feels like you were just there. Yeah, I was just there about halfway through August a month ago, so I'm, I'm heading back, though. This time it's not a nation vacation. It's just me doing it for pleasure. Hmm? As opposed to before, it was a business trip. Business trip. Trust yeah, me. the nation vacation was a business trip. It definitely was. <laughs> um, but I'm going to be there this weekend, so hopefully the Jays come through, because they did not come through when I went out and saw them play Cleveland, and they lost two of three and only scored like three runs in the three games. Yeah, they've definitely pulled themselves together yeah. since then. You caught the tail end of them looking really bad. And, so, and since then, they've 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 found that they found their group yeah. a little bit. So, But how many games are you going to? All three. I'm doing, how about this? How about this for a sports trip? So I land in Toronto at about noon Eastern. 
Um, doing Jay's Friday, Jay's Saturday, Jay's Sunday, Monday, I'm driving to Buffalo because you know me, I'm a diehard Bills fan and I'm catching the Monday night or the home opener for the Buffalo Bills and I fly home Tuesday. That's insane. That's going to be a blast. Well, if the Jays lose, if the Jays lose that first game on the Friday, then you should probably accept that you're a curse and not go the rest of the weekend. Hey, see, and I was debating not buying my tickets yet for the Sunday game because I was like, oh, man, if they go and they lose the first two, like I'll probably be just way too upset to go watch a third one. But that's a Manoa start. So I don't want to miss an Alec Manoa start. That's so I think, true. And I, you know, like if there was one game I'd want to miss, it's probably the bullpen day, but I'll, I'll tough it out. Yeah, you'd yeah. think. And then, you know, we've also been saying this whole time, the Sunday game would be the one to skip because they struggle with their bad vibe series finale games. But, but it's Manoa. Yeah. That's true. You're right. That's that's kind of two things coming at each other, yep. right? It's like a an unmovable object and an unstoppable force. An unmovable vibe versus an unstoppable vibe. <laughs> exactly what it is. Exactly. Hey, that means you're going to miss our rec league hockey game on Sunday. It yeah, I won't be there to help the boys go to two and zero. Wow, <laughs> we're getting we're off on to weird... shut things down and play defensively. Then <laughs> yeah, all right, we are getting we've got we got off on a lot of weird tangents on yeah, this we, episode. We... So we're going to wrap this up. Uh, shout out to our friends at Points Bet Canada who will have all the odds and I will be taking advantage of it when I head out there to watch those games. If you're in Ontario, check out Points Bet Canada. Also, check out our friends at DoorDash. Coomzy, you enjoy this series. We'll chat later. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 